0: Thank you, dear brother, very much. I always love the songs that you pick. I know you pick them purposefully because of their content. If there's ever a Sunday when I can't be here for some reason, just read through the lyrics over and over again of the songs that he picks and walk through them and talk about them, and they'll be just fine. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 is where we're going to be. This is a familiar portion of Scripture called the Shema, because the first word in Hebrew, hear, Is translated Shema, that's what it says in Hebrew. Listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of God. Thank you for coming. You can be seated. And please bow with me as we begin with prayer. Father, I need your help this morning. We all need your help, Lord. I want to preach rightly. I want to preach faithfully and true, Lord, and I want people, I want the hearers of this message to listen rightly to what is faithful and true, and that is the word of God, and I pray as the word of God, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word this morning. These are your very words, and so, Father, I pray that you would please honor the word preached, because your word will not return void. It will accomplish that for which you sent it. Out. And I pray for some that this morning would be the morning that they are saved. And Lord, for others, that they, this would be the morning that they are helped and delivered, Lord, from a wrong trajectory or a wrong way of thinking or wrong patterns. And Lord, for others, I pray that they would be encouraged and helped in their faithful walk, Lord. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this sermon series in January is to help us to pray, and to pray better, and to refocus on speaking to the Lord in the beginning of this new year. So if you feel like your prayer life is broken, or out of alignment, or not functioning properly, I want you to incorporate the four topics that I'm preaching on in this sermon series, which makes up the word CAST, C A S. You remember last week we were focused on confession. And I hope I was clear and I was not trying to say at all that you better start every single prayer with confession. If you're going to pray over your food, well, you better think of something to confess. If you're going to pray over your grandmother who's not feeling well, well, you better confess your sins first. No, I wasn't saying that at all. And I, I believe you all know me well enough that I was not saying that because I do not want to portray that I'm trying to bring any sort of legalistic rule into your life, like you better do it this way or God's unhappy with you. Heavens no. I'm trying to just give you some type of pattern that you can follow that could be very helpful to you. That's all I'm trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do. So just like a physical cast provides healing and gives structure and also provides protection, sort of physical cast does for you, well, I know that these things that I'm preaching on will give you structure that you might need to heal a broken prayer life, and they'll also give the protection your prayer life needs from further injury that it may have fallen into. So last week, C for confession. This week, second letter A is for Adoration. Praying cast, A for adoration. The word adoration, we find the word adore. We find that word within that word. We actually call it the root word. It's the word that it's built upon. Adoration is built upon the word adore. And let me say this to start with, because culture always affects language, and language affects culture too, for that matter, but in our culture now, in our day and age, here in the States, at least for men, and I mean males, not just mankind, males, we don't usually use the word adore, do we, as males? Women do. Women use it, and they sometimes use it often. A woman might talk about how she adores a certain blouse, or she adores this dress, or maybe she adores this certain flavor of ice cream. Men, however, we don't usually talk about our favorite flavor of ice cream, saying that we adore it, anyway. Or we adore this shirt, or we adore our jacket in our closet. You won't usually hear one hunter telling another hunter that he adores his jacket, will you? Or one mechanic telling another mechanic how he adores his new tool chest. You definitely won't hear Mark Mills, for example, telling uh, Paul Ratliff how he adores his boat, Right? very manly. So in our culture, in this day and age, it's usually women using the word adore, and they find something that they're very fond of. But lest we think this word is only a feminine word, it's not, nor is the idea of adoration feminine at all. It's actually a very robust and meaningful word. It comes from the Latin word adorare, which means to elevate something very highly, to worship. It actually even has the idea of calling to. Even in the Spanish language, the verb adorar means to worship, and it comes from that Latin word. So when we talk about adoration... It really means worship, worshiping something very highly and with the idea of calling out to the one receiving this praise, calling out in worship. Now let me next point this out. We can't adore something we know nothing about. Yes, adoration is an action word, but it's really a reaction, isn't it? Adoration is an action word, but it's really a reaction of knowing and seeing and also feeling something. It creates a sense of awe within us, it is a feeling that comes on the heels of something. Adoration is a reaction to something. It comes on the heels of discovering truth about something or someone. Or it comes on the heels of remembering that truth that you've already learned about something or someone. Why am I laboring this point? Well, I'll tell you why. Since adoration is a reaction based on learning or remembering something, that gives us the key to unlocking adoration in our own prayer lives. What do I mean? Well, adoration is born out of truth. Adoration is born out of truth. It's born out of learning a truth, seeing a truth, feeling a truth. And that's key. That's vital. I'm telling you, I'm giving you a, a hack into praising in your prayers. Prayers. Listen to this really good quote. If we're going to adore God, then we need to make sure we adore God. I'm going to say that first sentence again. There's more, but I'm just going to say that first sentence again because I love it. If we're going to adore God, then we need to make sure we adore God. That is, the living and true God of the Bible, not a deity we have invented. Listen to this. If someone compliments you on features you don't have, or praises you for things you haven't done, it doesn't matter how fervently those words are spoken. They won't honor you because they aren't true. Similarly, false notions of God bring him no honor, no matter how eloquently or earnestly expressed. I love that. False notions of God bring him no honor, no matter how eloquently or earnestly they are expressed. And that's from a Bible teacher named Paul Macaulay. Listen to this to these two sentences of mine. Um, this is me. If we're going to adore God rightly, we have to know him rightly. Proper adoration for God is born out of a biblical understanding of God. And that's key. That's so vital. That's so important. If we're going to adore God rightly, we have to know him rightly. Proper adoration for God is born out of a biblical understanding of God. That's why if you want to increase your love for God and if you're a follower of God, you're going to want to increase your love for God. Don't you want to love God more? The Shema told us earlier we're supposed to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. And the Christian, the follower of God, wants to. We want to love him because he is so lovely. We want to love him because we love him so much. We want to love him even more. And so if we're going to do that, if we're going to increase our love, admiration, adoration of God, you simply need to see him for who he truly is. That's the great thing about God. If you just see him For who he really is, all those things will increase. That's the hack I'm trying to teach you. When you discover and or remember maybe things you've already discovered to be true about him, worship will naturally follow. It's a reaction. It's a natural reaction. Adoration and prayer will naturally follow because worship can be as simple as Worship can be as simple as staring at a gorgeous sunset or beholding the Grand Canyon or gazing up at a star-lit sky. It can be as worship as, wow, God, wow. Now, it's worship not just in beholding the beauty of it because everyone goes to the Grand Canyon and beholds it and says, wow, but not everybody points that up. Everybody can stare at a sunset and say, isn't that beautiful? Lost people all over planet Earth look at sunsets and say, isn't that beautiful? Where it doesn't go far enough is it doesn't go up. It doesn't say, isn't that beautiful? I'm beholding this beauty and God, you did it. Wow, look what you did, God. You are amazing because of that. See, worship can be as simple as just wow when it's pointed up. Or it can be as involved as this. Listen to Psalm 111. Psalm 111 verses 1 through 10. This is this is the whole psalm. Listen to it. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the congregation of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. His praise endures forever. That's also recognizing God for who he is and praising him so eloquently in sacred scripture forever. Praise can be as complex as that or as simple as a, wow, God, just wow, and everything in between. See, when we praise and worship God, Did you know this? We're joining with the angels who've also been recognizing and worshiping and praising him in the heavens for ages past. We don't even know how long ago God created the angels. And we join with the saints of old who've gone on before us who have already fallen asleep in the Lord. And we also unite with all of our brothers and sisters around the globe right now who are praising God in truth. <laughs> we unite with all of them when we adore God rightly in prayer. And guess what? This is what you were created for. You were created to worship God. That's why I said that the proper worded pray will align what's broken. Praying this way will realign what's been broken and set apart and misaligned. It lines it back up because that is when you function according to your creation. When you're praising God, you're 100% lined up with what you were made for. That's why for the Christian, it feels so right. It feels so good. Don't you love it? I remember being in an assembly once. I love praying. I love singing in this assembly too. I remember being in assembly once. It was a, a pastor's conference. And so there were mostly deep voices in the audience. And we were singing a hymn. And the way the structure was set up, the floors were wood. It was an old building, but it was large. And just the way the structure was set up, it reverberated those deep Base voices of probably a thousand men singing their hearts out, and I thought, I love this because <laughs> it was a taste of what we'll be doing forever. That's what we were made for: worshiping God. We don't just worship Him in, in song; we worship Him also in truth. Here, as we listen to the Word rightly and live it out rightly. So, though we were made and created. To worship God, you know that the original intent of that was marred. It was marred in Genesis chapter 3, in the beginning when Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and fell into sin. See, sin's deceptive. and Before we're saved, we're blind to the truth because of our sin. We won't come to the truth because by our wickedness, we are by nature children of Wrath, and even children of the devil, according to our Lord Jesus Christ. But we won't come to the light. We won't come to it because our natures are not that way. But listen to Romans 8. Romans 8, 5 through 8 about this topic. It says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For two for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. His sin marred and messed up that alignment we had with God. And when we're in that unsaved state, we won't come to the truth. We won't submit to God's law. We can't. That's how blind and dead we are to it. It takes the Lord Jesus Christ to awaken us. It takes the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to overcome that. Jesus Christ takes the punishment of sinful man upon himself who were born with this sin nature, born with a natural bent away from God, Jesus Christ takes all of our sins upon himself and he causes us to be born again. He gives us a new nature. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has passed. Come when the new you and the new creation wants to praise God, wants to adore God, loves God, loves thinking about him, praising him, thinking, and being in awe of who he is. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive. In the spirit. See, repentance from your wicked ways, renouncing them, and faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, whereby he bore the punishment for your sins. This is how man saved and made into someone who recognizes how wonderful God is. That's when you start loving God. That's when you start wanting God. That's when you start even caring about truth at all. Before I got saved, I didn't give a rip about truth. I cared about Cohen Ezel. He was number one. But when God finally showed me how wicked I was and finally granted me repentance and I finally saw Jesus Christ for who he was and I finally saw this light in this book for what it is, everything changed. Why? Because I was born again. I was born of the Spirit. I had a new nature that loved righteousness and loved God. God. That's when you begin to love God and worship him because you see him and learn from the scriptures that he's he's awesome, that he's beautiful, that he's the creator, that he has all dominion, that he's faithful, that he's good, that he's holy, that he's incomprehensible, that he's just, that he's the king of kings, that he's love and he's majestic, that he never changes. That he's omnipresent, that he's all powerful, that he's righteous, he's sovereign over all creation, that he's trustworthy, that he's unconquerable, that he's victorious, he's wise, that he's Yahweh, and that he's zealous for. His own glory forever and ever. And for those of you who know the Lord and love the Lord, isn't your heart even swelling right now as I talk about these things about God? Aren't you joining with me and saying, yes, that's our God. Yes, he's like that. See, as you hear about who God really is, it causes you to respond to that. It's a reaction because you say, yes, yes, he's like that. And for those of you who were very, very astute just then, you saw that I just went through all the letters of the alphabet and picked an attribute that started with that letter. You can do that too. All but the word. All but the letter Q. Couldn't find one for Q. I'm sure it's out there. I could have gotten creative. Maybe done it in a different language. But for those of you who love God, you were inwardly saying, Yes, as I spoke those wonderful attributes, you were saying, Yes, 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 He is like that. You were agreeing with me, remembering how amazing He is, because it's feeding your love and worship and admiration of God. And adoration of God, it was feeding it. It was feeding it. That was your natural heart reflex for those of you who have a new heart. You have a love for God now that you didn't have before. And it is fueled by truth about this God. Don't you see that's the key that unlocks praise? Don't you see that? I'm trying to teach you something about your heart, Christian. Saturate your mind with Scripture and see your adoration of God grow and be natural, just a natural that's why I love reading books about God's attributes. They're so fun to read. Because they're all about God, my favorite subject, my favorite topic, God. That's why the Shema tells the worshiper to apply God's word to their doorposts to their hand, even to their head. That's why it tells the worshiper to speak God's word when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way. And that's especially why it also commands you and I to diligently teach the word of God to our children and talk with them when we sit in our house. It's the word God of God that is the key to understanding who God is that will make you then rightly praise him for who he is that will then put you in the spot for which you were created. Don't you see how seeing God in truth helps you get back to how we originally were in the garden, which is all about being in a perfect relationship where we looked at God and we said, you are amazing And I feel so complete just being here with you. That's why children, this this concept that I'm talking about, that's why children feel so secure when they are in a healthy home with mom and dad because they know that I'm in This relationship where I feel most complete because here I am with the ones from whom I came and who love me more than anybody else on planet Earth because they're lined up in a proper relationship and they naturally love these parents and feel best when they're with them. And that points to a bigger truth about you and I. That's what fuels you to be what you were made to be, a God worshiper. It focuses us on who God really is. That's why the Shema begins with who God is. Did you notice that? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. It begins with this magnificent truth that there's no other God but God. These false nations that you're going to be surrounded with, Israel, they are no gods. There is one God, and he's Yahweh Yahweh, our God. Yahweh is one. It starts out with who God is. Don't you see that? One of the best places for finding a dense collection of praises to God is in the Psalms. The Psalms were primarily written by David, of course, but Solomon wrote some. Even Moses has one in there. Listen to what the ministry of uh, Ligonier Ministries, R.C. Sproul's ministry had to say about the Psalms and the Psalms. I couldn't find who actually wrote this, but I found it from Ligonier Ministries. It says, the Psalmists know who God is and they praise him for who he is. That serves as a model for us. If we reflect on the attributes of God when we pray, we will be moved to adore him for all that he is and all that he's done for us. Adoration is a vital part of prayer but it is one part of prayer that is easy to forget. We can quickly become so focused on listing our concerns that we neglect the much necessary task of worshiping our maker. Let us take care to devote a portion of each prayer to the worship of the Lord Almighty. Ligonier Ministries, let me end with this. Worshiping God is fueled by remembering and ascribing back to God what's true of him, who he is, and who he is as the scriptures dictate. That's why the Shema, which tells the worshiper to apply God's word, not only to apply it to the doorpost, but like I said, his very hands and his very head too. Now, is that literal? Do I want you all to come in next week with some verse tattooed on your forehead? Heavens, no. It's a symbol of where this is supposed to reside and everything I do on my hands and flowing out of everything in my mind because my mind is so saturated with the truth. So center your mind on who God is and prayers of praise and adoration will just naturally follow. It's a natural reaction and I hope this helps you pray. Father, what a great truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would please help us to now digest this truth and apply this truth, help us to pray better and pray rightly and pray more and pray more willingly as a result of looking at your word, seeing who you are. Lord, also as we look at your beautiful creation, your, your word tells us that The creation declares the glory of God. Help us to take that upward. Help us to take that where it's supposed to be, Lord, to the throne of God and praise you. So, Father, please help us to be complete in our prayers as we admire you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.